start a new series today going through the book of Ephesians so we did uh, James and as I was uh, considering what to talk about I thought uh, Ephesians would be a good good book now James was a, a completely a practical book uh, you know all about practice and uh, uh, although it was underpinned by doctrine there wasn't much focus on it uh, in this book we'll see uh, that it's a little different and I'll talk about that in a minute uh, but let's just read the first uh, 14 verses for consideration this morning so let's turn to uh, Ephesians chapter 1 Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus grace to you and peace from God our father and the Lord Jesus Christ B- verse 3 blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in christ just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestined us to adoption as sons by jesus christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved verse 7 in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in himself that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times he might gather together in one all things in Christ both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him Can you tighten that sergeant? Verse uh, 11 In him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory in him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation in whom also having believed you were sealed with the holy spirit of promise who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory let's look to the lord heavenly father we thank you for this passage of scripture that we have read we pray that now as we meditate on it as we study it lord we pray that your holy spirit would guide our thoughts guide my words and we pray lord that uh, what is needed today that you will prepare each heart and each mind to receive lord what is spoken and to make it real in their lives father thank you again for this time ask your blessing as we sit in the presence of your holy word in the name of our lord and our savior jesus christ amen now this passage that we read is probably one of the most majestic passages in scripture it's just a beautiful description of who we are and what we have in the lord jesus christ but uh, before we get into that uh, i think it's important that we understand a little bit about the background uh, of this church and the pastor this is the apostle paul writing to the ephesian church and uh, this this work uh, in ephesus was started sometime during the second missionary journey of uh, paul and we want to look at the passages there but in acts 18 uh, verse 19 we see that paul goes to ephesus and he has with him uh, aquila and priscilla and he leaves them there and then he goes on to antioch completes a missionary journey uh, in the passage that just happened to be read this morning uh, by timothy at the bible reading verse uh, uh, chapter 16 of 1 Corinthians and verse uh, 19 it tells us there that aquila and priscilla and the church and their church which meets in their home greets you 
Okay, so we know then that this church in Ephesus used to meet at some point in the home uh, of Aquila and Priscilla, which was quite a usual thing in those days. The churches were home churches. Um, and they met at the homes of the, of the believers. Uh, in fact, in Acts 2, we see that they went from home to home, breaking bread and having fellowship together. So this was a common occurrence there. And then Paul, on his uh, third missionary journey, comes back through Ephesus, and there is a, a lot of events there. There was that riot, uh, uh, you know, because of the, uh, the, um, uh, the, the, the controversy there around people, the, the merchants of the goddess Diana and all these kind of things. And uh, from looking at the scriptures, we can gather that Paul spent a more uh, extended period of time, some say maybe something like two to three years, staying there uh, in Ephesus, shepherding that church, pastoring the church. And then later on, after he left, he left Timothy there. And he left Timothy to pass the church. And we find that through looking at what Paul writes in the book of Timothy, that there was uh, uh, a lot of uh, some false doctrines and some false teachers that had come into the church. And the church had to fight this. And Paul advises Timothy uh, what to do. And then the next time we see the uh, church in Ephesus is, of course, in Revelation chapter 2, verse 1 to 7. And in that passage, uh, we see Christ speaking directly to the church of Ephesus. And uh, he has some good things to say about the church. He commends them for their work. So they were a working church. They were a church who labored. It says that they labored for the Lord. And he says, I commend you for your labor. But if you recall, uh, he also had something negative to say about them. And that was that they had forgotten their first love. Okay, they had forgotten their first love. Even though they were busy in doing the things of the Lord, busy in the activities of the church, they were busy in, in all sorts of things that were commendable and good in and of themselves, yet uh, deep down they had lost their first love. Okay, the first love meaning their relationship with Christ, that love relationship with Christ uh, was not quite at the same level that it was when they first came to know him and in the early years. So we see that this was a church that had, uh, you know, plenty of problems. And uh, one of the things as we study these churches uh, that we find is a lot of the problems they had in those days we continue to have today. So it's nothing unique about this day and age. Sometimes we like to think that our era is worse than every other one, right? Of course, things are in some respects getting worse, but all of the problems we have today, they had then. And, uh, and in some ways, thank God they did because that allowed the apostle, Paul in particular, and some of the other apostles to address these problems and to give words of encouragement and, and admonition and, and doctrine and teaching and, and calling them to practical living, which can apply to us today as we go through similar struggles as individuals and as a church. And in this uh, uh, epistle to the Ephesians, uh, we can break it down into two uh, major sections. There's first, there's six chapters and they're very nicely broken down into, into two sections of three chapters each. And in the first three chapters, it emphasizes New Testament doctrine. Okay, it's purely about doctrine. Uh, it's about, uh, you know, as we'll see in chapter one, it's about what we are or who we are and what we have, the blessings we have in Christ. And then in chapter two, he talks about the doctrine of salvation and how we are saved. Uh, and then he goes on in chapter 3, he talks about the mystery of the church and the purpose of the church. Uh, and the reason that he talks about all of these things is so that when he gets to chapter 4, we see it starts off in this manner. Chapter 4 of Ephesians and verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called 
with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling. So he establishes in the first three chapters, what is the calling with which you have been called? Who are you in Christ? How did Christ call you? How is it that you got saved? Uh, what is the purpose of the church? Why have you, why are you uh, been planted in the church, in the local church? And after he presents all that, he says, I therefore, in the light of all these things, I beseech you that you should walk worthy of the calling. And then he goes on in chapters 4, 5, and 6 to give a lot of very practical instruction uh, in terms of spiritual gifts. And he talks about uh, our relationships in the church. He talks about the new man. He talks about grieving the spirit. He talks about the relationship between husbands and wives and, and parents and children and employers and employees. And, and then he uh, uh, talks, close out by talking about the armor of God and how we are to be protected from the, the, the sinful surroundings uh, that we, wherein we are trying to walk worthy. So we have the doctrinal part followed by the practical, but the practical builds or comes out of the doctrine. And so it's very important that we understand what are these truths, okay? Because all of our application, all the, the way we live has to be undergirded by doctrine, okay? And the reverse is also true. The doctrines that we hold, the truths that we hold, the reality uh, of these doctrines should manifest itself in our lives. It's a very very important and simple principle. And in verses 3 to 14, which we'll focus on today in chapter 1, uh, Paul here enumerates the blessings that we have in Christ. So these are spiritual blessings. So he's talking here. So when we think of blessings sometimes as, uh, as material human beings, we think of you know, material blessings. We think of things that we can see and touch and, and hear and enjoy uh, very tangibly. But here he's talking about spiritual blessings which we cannot really see, okay? But we have to accept by faith. But they're very important because they're a reality of who we are in Christ. Uh, and they ought to help us understand better what Christ has done for us. And also drive how we view ourselves, okay? We need to see ourselves in the same way that God sees us in Christ. And when that happens, uh, it should also drive the way we behave. Our outward behavior ought to change based on our realization of who we are in Christ. Now many believers uh, that I know, they suffer from this problem, okay, that, uh, that because of, uh, whether it's because of all kinds of reasons, maybe it's because of your background, the way you grew up, the way you were raised, maybe it's because of experiences that you have been through in your life, but um, you know, we tend to have a problem uh, of lack of self-esteem. That's sort of the way the, the psychologists term it. Uh, and uh, that can become quite extreme. Uh, it can become extreme for a variety of reasons, but it can go on and become so bad that it becomes self-loathing because we don't appreciate or they don't appreciate who they are in Christ. And very, very important when we go through those, you know, we all face all kinds of difficulties in life. You know, we face uh, problems, we face struggles, we face problems in our relationship, in the church, maybe relationship in the families, maybe problems between husbands and wives, whatever might be the cause that drives you to feel uh, less than optimum about yourself and put yourself down, uh, this is a very dangerous kind of thinking and it reveals that we have failed to really grasp or perhaps we have forgotten who we really are in Christ. And that's what Paul is calling us here in this passage is to say, let me tell you, let me tell you who you are in Christ. 
Let me tell you of the spiritual blessings that you have in Christ Jesus. And he goes on in verse 3 here. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So he first says, Blessed be the God and Father. The source, the ultimate source of every blessing that we have, every spiritual blessing is God himself. Okay, the Father. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who is the source. So let's remember that and not forget that. Secondly, he tells us that, that this, this God, this Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Now the Greek word that's used here for every, you can, you can uh, uh, look at it in different ways, but it means each, every, all, the whole, all things, everything. And, and the correct way of looking at it is that he's saying that this God, this Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is he? He is the one who has blessed you with every possible spiritual blessing that you could ever have. Okay, there is no, there is no blessing, spiritual blessing that you could have that he has chosen to not give you. Okay, it's all encompassing. Every spiritual blessing. Okay, and not only that, he tells us that it is, the blessing is spiritual, pneumaticos. It relates to the, the part of man that has to do with our spiritual standing before God. And these are blessings in the heavenly places. So these are not blessings on earth. Okay, these are not the kind of earthly blessings that we typically think of, whether it's you know, wealth or money or, 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 or happiness or, or whatever other things that we think of as material earthly blessings. But rather, in the heavenly realm, okay, the heavenly regions uh, that... that um, uh, that, that this is what we have, these are the blessings we have in the presence of God, in the place where God dwells in heaven. Okay, so each of us has these blessings as those who are children of God, those who have trusted in Christ, we enjoy these spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. Okay, now of course, while they're not earthly blessings, they need to, they ought to have an earthly impact in the way we live. Okay, when we understand these blessings that we have and we truly uh, make it a part of our life, it will have an earthly blessing, an earthly impact. And then who is the conduit of, of these blessings? It is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It is only through Christ that we have these blessings. So just as we don't deserve salvation, we don't deserve any one of these blessings. Okay, if it was not for Christ as a mediator between God the Father and us as sinners, we would not have any of these blessings. So, which is why we come here week after week to remember Christ, right? Because it is in Christ alone that we have salvation. It is in Christ alone that we have these blessings. But we ought to not forget. And as we go through these blessings, there's 10 of them that I want to bring before you uh, this morning. But I want us to think about this. You know, do you, do I understand and appreciate who you are in Christ okay and and do you understand and appreciate what God has really done for you and I don't know what what situation you are in your life I don't know what your walk with Christ is what your walk with God is like I don't know what are the things that you struggle with emotionally physically whatever it might be the case but very often as we go through these struggles I I, I, I said earlier you know we can we can become emotionally down. We can, we can be, be, be dragged down by the circumstance in our life. And in so doing, it always helps us to go back 
to these scriptures and remind ourselves of who we really are. Because when we understand who we really are and we see ourselves the way God sees us, that's what Paul is about to tell us here in verses 4 through, uh, through uh, uh, 13 or through 14. He's telling us, look, this is how God sees you. Okay? It doesn't matter how you see yourself. This is how God sees you and I want you to look at yourself in the way that God sees you. So what are these spiritual blessings? Let's look in verse, starting in verse 4. Just as he, that is God, chose us in him, that is in Christ, before the foundation of the world. Okay, so the first blessing is that God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Now there's nothing that I'm going to say today that we haven't heard before. Okay, this is a passage that we have read. But I want us to think about, you know, do we really grasp and do we really make this a reality? You know, does the way we live our life really reflect that, um, that God has chosen us? What does it mean that God has chosen us? You know, the word that's used there, it means to choose for oneself. So not only has God chosen us, but he chose you and me for himself. Okay, for his own purpose. Before he created the world, before the foundation of the world, he chose us. And we know, we look through scripture, we find that God is a choosing God. You know, he chose Abraham in Nehemiah 9-7, tells us that he chose Abraham, you know, out of Ur of the Chaldees. In Psalm 78 verse 68, tells us that he chose the tribe of Judah to be the kingly tribe and through whom the Messiah would come. Verse chapter, uh, Psalm 78 in verse 7, he tells us that he chose David uh, out of the sheep herders to be king. The word of God tells us that he chose Israel to be his people. So God has always, you know, throughout history, he's a God who chooses some and for, by his own sovereign will doesn't choose others. But remind, remember this as you consider this spiritual blessing. It is a spiritual blessing to us that God has chosen you and I. You know, that God who knows everything about you and me, God who knew and knows everything that you would do, you know, Psalms 139 verse 16 says, All my days were fashioned for me and were all written in your book. Every single day before we were ever born, every sin that we would commit, every good deed that we would do, everything that would happen in our life was written down in the word of God, in God's book. He knew all the sins that you would ever commit and yet he chose you and me for his own purpose. He chose us for himself. We are the chosen ones. A chosen, uh, 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 he says that we are a royal priesthood, a chosen generation, a chosen people. God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. And if that doesn't, if that doesn't excite us, then I don't know what will. To know that regardless, and we all know who we are. We know what we are like. We know all the thoughts that go through our mind. We know all the desires that we have. We know all the sins that we commit. And yet, Paul is saying that you have received the spiritual blessing. He has chosen you. He is not looking at what you are doing. He is not looking at what you are going to do tomorrow or what you did yesterday. He is not looking at any good work you have done. But for his own purpose, he chose you in Christ before the foundation. Before you were ever even created. Before you were ever even conceived. He chose you in Christ before the foundation of the world. So the first spiritual blessing we have is that God has chosen us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Do you really grasp that truth that you are a chosen one? And does it impact 
your life. The second thing we see here, the second blessing is that he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, latter part of verse 4, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So you are saying, you know, God chose me, but I'm a sinner. But I'm such a sinful person. I do so many wrong things. There is nothing good that, that is in me. You know, even the Apostle Paul said that in Romans 7. The good that I want to do, I don't do. And the bad that I don't want to do, that I find myself doing. And you say, I've been chosen, but look at me. Well, there's another spiritual blessing. That he has, what? Made us holy and without blame. We are unholy, but he has declared us holy. We are full of blame, but he has declared us blameless. And he did this, why? Before him in love. Because God loves us so much. When God looks at you through Christ, what does he see? When you look, when I, you and I look at ourselves, we see all kinds of things. We see people that are a person who is worthless. We see a person who sins every day. We see a person who struggles with all kinds of things. But when God looks at you and me through Christ, what does he see? He sees a perfect, blameless, spotless, righteous person. You have been declared that positionally. The righteousness of Christ has been imputed to you. Let's turn to Romans chapter 8 and verse 33. Romans 8 and verse 33 says, let's read from verse uh, uh, 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his son, but delivered him up for us, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Verse 33. Who shall bring a charge against God elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also make intercession for us. Pay attention to verse 33. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? You are the chosen ones of God. You are the elect of God. And he says, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? This is a rhetorical question. You know, God has justified you. God has declared you holy. God has declared you righteous. Nobody... Nobody can bring a charge against the elect of God. Nobody can point at you before God and say, He is evil, or He is bad, or He is a sinner. Because who is there? Who is there at the right hand of God? Christ Jesus, who is even at the right hand of God, who makes intercession. All He does is points to His blood and He says, I died for that person's sin. I died for her sins. I died for his sins. And God says, yes, He is holy. She is holy and without blame in love he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame do you see yourself as god sees you in christ that you are holy and without blame moving on the third blessing verse 5 having predestined us to adoption as sons by jesus christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will god predestined us to be adopted to be adopted as his sons and his daughters Romans 8.15 says, We have received the spirit of adoption. He has given us a spiritual blessing of being adopted as his sons and daughters. We were at enmity with God. We were far away. You know, we all know what it means to adopt someone. It's to go and, 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 and you know, uh, uh, take and make your own someone, a child that is not yours, that came from someone else's loins and make him or her your own. God has given us that spiritual blessing. 
that he adopted us and not only has he adopted us but what is he doing he's molding us into the image of his son he's saying you know when you adopt a child you cannot change you know the way that child looks you cannot change uh, you know many things about that child you try to give him a good upbringing but what is what is god doing as 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 adopted children what is he doing to us he is making us into the image of his son jesus christ having predestined us to be adopted and when did he decide to he predestined us to be adopted he decided beforehand just as he chose us he said i am going to choose george and i am going to choose prithvi and i am going to choose john and whoever else i am going to choose this person and i have decided already that i am going to adopt him or her as my son as my daughter and i am going to mold him or her into the image of my son what a glorious standing we have what a glorious blessing what a wonderful spiritual blessing that god has predestined us to be adopted as his sons to the praise of his to the, for the good pleasure according to the good pleasure of his will note that this was a pleasurable thing for god to do it's not like he said i have no choice i have to choose this person because i created him no according to the good pleasure he took pleasure in choosing you and i can you imagine that he took pleasure in in declaring you and i holy and without blame he took pleasure in adopting me as his son adopting you as his daughter we have been chosen we have been made holy and without blame we have been predestined to be adopted as his son the fourth blessing verse 6 to the praise of his glory by which he made us accepted in the beloved he has made us accepted in the beloved to the glory praise of the glory of his grace he has freely given us his saving grace and made us accepted in christ he has not only that has he saved us not only has he has he made us his children i mean has he adopted us but he has accepted us he has opened his arms wide and accepted us just as the the the, the father accepted that prodigal son he went running to him and he put on his robe and he said this my son has been lost and now he is found he is dead and now he is alive that's the way god has has opened up his arms he has accepted us you know sometimes you know we wonder when when someone adopts a child say they've got their own uh, natural children and they've got adopted children and we have this tendency to think that maybe there's a difference in the way they love them you know there's some difference there but for god there's no difference you know we are christ is the is the first fruits you know and we are the fruits that came after him but god has accepted us he has accepted us in love he has accepted us uh, uh, in to the praise of the glory of his grace he has shown us that saving grace and made us accepted we have been accepted in the beloved okay the beloved the lord jesus christ is the beloved of god we have been accepted in him do you feel as you look at yourself that you are the accepted adopted child of god and then he goes on verse 7 and 8 in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sin god another spiritual blessing he has redeemed us and forgiven us from our sins in christ we have been redeemed our sins have been forgiven and he talks about that this is according to the riches of his grace which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence verse 8 we have been redeemed his grace and his forgiveness is abounding he has made it to abound towards us his grace is so rich 
it has no limit his limitless grace has granted us limitless forgiveness for our limitless sins our sins were beyond beyond description but his grace was also far more than that sin it abounded towards us and he has granted us limitless forgiveness there is no end to his forgiveness his grace and his forgiveness is abounding it cannot be exhausted no matter what we do we have that redemption and forgiveness in the lord jesus christ what a wonderful blessing a spiritual blessing that in christ we have been redeemed and we have been forgiven and then moving on to verse 9 and 10 having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in himself that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times he might gather together in one all things in christ both which are in heaven and which are on the earth in him that is in christ so what is the next blessing that god has made us god has revealed his will to us in christ and what is that will this will it says that it was a mystery okay uh, it was a mystery having made known to us the mystery of his will he has revealed it to us he has revealed it to us who are his children that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in christ uh, he has he will gather us together unto christ in eternity that's the purpose for which he has saved us in the dispensation of the fullness of time when the time comes god has revealed to us in his word that he has a plan for us that he is going to gather us together to be with christ in eternity that too is a spiritual blessing and then when we move on to verse 11 and 12 we find here that he has made us heirs he has made us heirs with christ in him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will that we would first trust in Christ should be to the praise of his glory he has made us heirs he has predestined us for an inheritance we are the heirs of Christ we are heirs and joint heirs with Christ paul says elsewhere we have obtained an inheritance what a blessing that we have he has revealed his will to us he has redeemed and forgiven us he has made us heirs in christ and then verse 13 it tells us there that we have been god has in him also you trust if you look in the niv it says that that we have god has included us in christ after you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation in all, in uh, in whom also you have believed so when we believed we have been included in christ okay so when god looks at christ he sees us we too are included in christ we heard the gospel of truth and we believed and we were saved and so we have become included in christ can you imagine that what a blessing that you and i when god looks at christ he sees you and me because we are included there whatever we might think of ourselves this is what god thinks of us and then the last two blessings number 9 and number 10 we see here that you say okay he has saved me yes he has redeemed me yes he has accepted me yes he has included me yes he has adopted me yes he has chosen me but but what about my current situation what about the fact that i sin today what about the fact that i find so many problems with with the way i live my life today paul says wait a minute let me tell you of two more blessings that you have the most wonderful these to me are the most wonderful he tells us in him also you trusted verse 13 uh, after you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation in whom also having believed having believed you were sealed with the holy spirit of promise 
What a spiritual blessing. He has marked you and me with a seal in Christ by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We have been sealed with a permanent seal. This harkens back to the, uh, to the, to the seals that the, the authorities in the government would put. That seal signified security. It signified authenticity. It signified ownership. It signified that, that somebody has authority over this, this document or this person. An unbreakable seal. Let's turn to Romans chapter 8 again. Romans 8 and verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Yes, who shall separate us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Another rhetorical question. Go down to verse 38. We are sealed. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit. Paul says in Romans 8.38, I am persuaded, I know beyond a doubt that nothing, not death, not life, not angels, not principalities, not powers, not things present, not things to come, not height, not depth, no created thing shall ever be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our God. God has given us the spiritual blessing of marking us with a seal. Our salvation is secure. You need not fear. You know, the reason why a lot of Christians become ineffective is because we fear. You know, and there's a lot of wrong teaching out there about losing your salvation because we are living in fear that the moment we do something wrong, that we have fallen away and therefore we have lost our salvation. No, he tells us here, part of your spiritual blessing it's not doesn't stop with salvation it doesn't stop with adoption it doesn't stop with being chosen it doesn't stop with being redeemed but it goes beyond that that part of your spiritual blessings in Christ is that you have been sealed by the Holy Spirit and then he goes on to talk a little more about the Holy Spirit we see the final blessing that Paul wants us to know about it says in verse uh, 14 speaking of the Holy Spirit who is back to Ephesians 1 and verse 14 who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory God has guaranteed our inheritance he says you don't see it today but I'm telling you that this Holy Spirit is given as what uh, the word that's used there is a the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee okay there's some other words that are used there the uh, uh, the deposit okay the deposit or the down payment or the earnest, okay, in the, in the U.S. When you, when, you're, when, you're, when you go to buy a house, you know, if I like a house and I want to buy that house, uh, I have to make an offer to the buyer. You know, I have to say, okay, I, I will buy this house and I will pay you X thousand dollars for it. That's my offer. But, you know, there's a long process you have to go through before that house really becomes mine and that process is somewhat expensive. You have to pay a lot of fees to the lawyers and the appraisers and it costs several thousand dollars to do that. And part of that is paid by the seller. And before the seller embarks on that process and starts spending that money, he wants to know that you're serious about your offer. And so you have to pay something that's called earnest money. Okay, I never understood what, why it was called earnest money till I actually read this passage. Okay, the earnest is the guarantor. 
so it is me paying an amount that's not the entire amount but it's somewhat substantial so that if i lose that amount it will mean something to me it'll hurt me okay it's a few thousand dollars that i that i pay it's usually some percentage of the value of the house that i have to give as earnest money i am showing my earnestness in making this offer that i intend to go through and pay you the the final amount to buy this house from you the earnest of your inheritance the holy spirit is given to us he says i leave you my spirit i will send my spirit after i leave and one of his functions is to serve as a guarantee of our inheritance we don't yet have our inheritance but the holy spirit is the down payment the earnest of our sure inheritance this inheritance is sure it is definite we are purchased by the blood of christ but the final redemption is yet to come when we will be 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 uh, be uh, uh, you know moved out this body will go away and we will be given that glorified resurrection body and we will be saved from the very presence of sin that is yet to come that is our eternal destiny until the redemption he says that redemption is yet to happen but you have been redeemed and he has given you the holy spirit as the guarantee of your inheritance these are the blessings that god has given you he has chosen us in christ before the foundation of the world he has loved us and made us holy without blame he has predestined us to be adopted as his sons he has freely given us his saving grace and made us accepted in christ he has redeemed and forgiven us from our sins in christ he has revealed his will to us in christ jesus he has made us heirs in christ to praise and glorify him he has included us in christ he has marked us with a seal in christ the seal of the holy spirit and he has guaranteed our inheritance by giving the holy spirit as a deposit as a guarantee of our inheritance our eternal inheritance that is stored up for us in heaven this is how god sees you and me how do you and me see ourselves this morning and what is the ultimate purpose of this to the praise of his glory repeats it three times in this passage verse 6 having predestined us to adoption as sons verse 6 to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the well be well beloved and then again in verse 12 that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory we are redeemed and we have been given inheritance to be to the praise of God's glory and verse 14 until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory paul keeps coming back and reminding us again and again the holy spirit is given to guarantee our inheritance to the praise of god's glory our lives our redeemed lives our standing in christ who we are the ultimate purpose is that god's name should be glorified and his name should be praised that we our very lives on this earth should be to the praise of his glory let me ask you this brothers and sisters are you living are we living our lives to the praise of his glory How is God being glorified in your lives? How is God being glorified in our attitudes? How is God being glorified in our behaviors to others, in our behaviors to each other? How is God being glorified in our dealings with the world? How is God being glorified in your dealings with your fellow brother or your fellow sister? For those of you who are parents, how is God being glorified in your dealings with your children? Husbands and wives, how is God being glorified in your dealings with your spouse are we living our lives to the praise of his glory who are you in christ who am i in christ 
do we realize and understand and do we most important do we accept who we are in Christ are you seeing yourself as God sees you lack of self esteem is a big problem among people especially young people because there are so many things that happen around us that cause us to question our worth but it is so wrong for us as believers to measure our worth by earthly standards you know you may be nothing from an earthly point of view you may be the poorest of the poor you may not have what everybody else has but god wants you to look at yourself as he sees you and how does he see you we saw those spiritual blessings he has already given you all these spiritual blessings you don't have to earn a single one of them are you seeing yourself as god sees you if you don't see yourself as god sees you then you cannot be effective for him you cannot live your life to the praise of god's glory and when you go through those moments it is so natural you know you'll be surprised some of the people that we may think are um, the most confident and the most spiritual they too go through these moments they doubt based on the way people treat them based on the way people react to them based on how the the impact of the things they do and they don't see the impact sometimes in 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 spiritual life in church life we can be so discouraged and question whether it is worth doing what we are doing but those are the moments we need to go back and look at this passage and understand who we are and how god sees us it is only in seeing ourselves as god sees us that we can be effective for him if you don't see yourself as god sees you then you cannot be an effective believer you cannot be effective for him your life cannot live you cannot live your life to the praise of the glory of god i trust that as we dwell on these words this morning that you will examine your attitudes towards yourself that's what this is about you know before paul starts talking about practical things he said he says first i want you to understand who you are i want you to understand how god sees you whatever you might be going through you might be at the lowest point in your life you might be struggling with so many things go back and look at yourself through the eyes of god and he tells us here what a beautiful passage of scripture how eloquently the apostle paul through the 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 leading of the holy spirit pen these words for us so that we too can see ourselves in the same way that god sees he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing let me just recite those one more time in closing god has chosen us in christ before the foundation of the world he has loved us made us holy and without blame he has predestined us to be adopted as his sons he has freely given us his grace and made us accepted in christ he has redeemed and forgiven us from all of our sins in christ jesus he has revealed his will to us in christ he has made us heirs in christ to the praise and glory of god he has included us in christ when we were saved he has marked us with a seal and sealed us for all eternity our salvation is secure and then finally he has guaranteed our inheritance by giving us the holy spirit as a deposit as the earnest of our inheritance may god enable each of us to look at ourselves in the way that he looks at us heavenly father we thank you lord for your mercies thank you for your goodness lord lord we cannot even fathom that you would look on us this way because father when we look at ourselves lord we see so many failings we see so much 
that is not creditable. We see so many things worth criticizing. And not only ourselves, Lord, when we look at others, Lord, we tend to see everything that is wrong with us. And we tend to look at others from our own standards rather than the way you see us in Christ. I thank you, Lord, for all of these blessings. Thank you, Father, that you have chosen us. Thank you that you have adopted us. Thank you that you have declared us, you have made us, you see us as holy and blameless and righteous in Christ. I thank you, Lord, that, that you have given us an inheritance. Thank you that you have forgiven and redeemed us. I thank you that, that, that you have included us in Christ. I thank you that you have sealed us with your Holy Spirit and you have given that Holy Spirit as a guarantee of our inheritance to come. I pray, Lord, for every person here today, every brother, every sister. Lord, you know their heart. You know what they're going through. You know how they feel about themselves. And maybe, Lord, it's the way we treat them that makes them feel that way, Lord. Makes them feel negative. And may we look, Lord, at each other as those who are enjoying the same spiritual blessing, Lord. Every person here, Lord, who knows you is blessed the same way as I am, Lord. We may see them from that perspective and treat them, Lord, with the, the love and the respect that those blessings deserve. May we treat each other as children of the Holy God. May we treat each other as those who have been redeemed and chosen and adopted into one family. May we treat each other in love as we realize who we are and who each one is in Christ. Pray for those who are struggling, Lord, to see themselves in this way. I pray, Lord, that we may not look for affirmation from people, that we may not look for affirmation from earthly circumstances, but rather, Father, that we may look for affirmation in the objective truths of your word. You have told us in your word who we are in Christ. You have told us that these blessings are ours already in Christ. As those who are seated in the heavenly place in Christ Jesus, Lord, we enjoy these blessings. May we make them a reality in our lives, in our thinking, in our attitudes, in our behaviors, Lord. That as we come to this realization, it will flow through in the words we use, in the attitudes we display, in the behaviors, in the way we behave towards each other and towards the world around us. Thank you, Father, for this word. May we be strengthened, may we be nourished, may we be, may we grow spiritually, Lord, and become more and more in the image of our Lord Jesus Christ. We give to you all of the glory and the praise in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ.